Welcome. You are listening to the Remaining in the Vine podcast. Welcome. You are listening to the Remaining in the Vine podcast. We are your hosts, Sarah and Samuel, and today we are entering into a little bit of a different type of episode than we normally do, and this is what we like to call... What is it? Invited? <laughs> Invited inspiration. <laughs> Invited inspiration. So, without further ado, I'm going to let Sarah introduce our invited inspiration. Yes. Today, our guest, um, his name is Christian Mercado. He is a pastor at Grace Alliance Church based in Piscataway, New Jersey. Um, is there anything? He's um, a father of two, two, children. two children, adorable children. He. Fun fact, he actually was... Our, our youth pastor. Yep. So I've known him for five. Eight, we've done the math. I feel like it, it's a long time. Yes, it's like yeah. fifteen, something like that. So, <laughs> yeah, too long. It's been a while. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you want to introduce yourself anymore? Anything else you want people to know about you? Uh, no, I think that was pretty good. Nothing. Uh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. I'm a current seminary student as well, and uh, have a full time job as well. So pretty busy, yes. but it's never really felt like work. So it's always been fun for me to talk about. Uh, the scripture or anything like that. So, Love that. Are you excited to be with us today? Uh, I'm a little nervous, I gotta say, <laughs> being the first guest on here. But That's yes, I'm true. Very excited. Well, we pick our guests with much <laughs> deliberation, yeah. and we definitely know that you can talk about a bunch of different things. I mean, you do talk about a bunch of different things, whether it's at Young Adults Bible Study or with just Samuel and I, so we figured this is something that we want to talk about. Also, something a little random. Um, that we just kind of thought up, so we figured Christian, someone who's kind of like can go, like we can just like bounce off each other. So that's why you're the first guest on the podcast. Well, awesome! Well, so, thank you for having me. Yeah, a welcome to Christian. To podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what we have been talking about is well, we titled it "Saint versus Sinner," um, and just a preference preface, "Saint versus Sinner." We figured we would describe you know, how one would become a saint or how do we know someone is a sinner to even start off with. So something that we explained was imputation. Um, and that was just our definition. So I was wondering, do you have, how would you describe what imputation is? Sure. I would say that as humans are born, uh, due to the sin of Adam, everyone is imputed with sin. And you can look at Romans chapter five, uh, starting in verse 12, which will explain this concept. Uh, And then from there, so we have imputation on that side, and then we are imputed as followers of Christ with his righteousness. And so you could say this is typically known as the the great exchange, where we are now seen as righteous by God the Father based on what has been given to us or credited to our account based on the work of Christ. Wait, so not everyone gets imputed twice. Is that how I would say that even? I'm imputed. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if, if you are not a Christian, mm-hmm. then you are only imputed with that sin that comes from Adam to you. Okay. Unless you put your faith in Christ, that's when you can be declared righteous. The issue is that our world thinks that you can be declared righteous based on how many good works that you do, mm-hmm. uh, that you can be declared righteous based on how kind you are. Uh, some of the cults, uh, like Mormonism will teach this, that you can be declared righteous based on your, your works. And there's a, a famous verse in Mormonism. It's in Second Nephi, which says that you are saved uh, after all that you can do. Mm. And so you kind of have a, a half uh, a half thing going on there. Right. Yeah. Wait, so, um, so I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. So you said that some people think that they can kind of, I guess, be imputed. Now I'm struggling with it as a verb be imputed with righteousness if they like work for it um so would you say that those i guess kinds of people and i mean i feel like sometimes i might fall maybe not necessarily basing my imputation on but i do like i'll emphasize my good works or something Mm -hmm. would you say that people who are basing their status or their condition as righteous on what they're doing would you say that that means that they're aware that there's something to prove i guess or something like why do those good works are they aware of their first imputation of depravity or sin? Uh, I would say most likely not. And so if someone is going to think that they can be saved based on their own works, I would say that they most likely would not even think that they have anything to prove in the first place. Hmm. So I guess why do the good works then? 
Right, so we do good works now as Christians because we have a love for God and we want to show his love to the rest of the world. And that he commends in as well in Galatians. Right. Yeah. So as a, as a Christian, as we look at this, if we were to read in Matthew chapter 5, uh, where Jesus tells us in verse 48 that we are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, you and I look at that and we say, okay, well, in the flow of Matthew chapter 5, this is that 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 famous Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is there and he says that, You've heard it said, if you look, uh, if you commit adultery, you have sinned. I'm telling you, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already done it, right? And so you're checking off the box, and then it goes through. I'm telling you, you've heard it said that if you commit murder, uh, that you've sinned. I'm telling you, if you look at your brother with anger, you have committed sin. And so you look at that, and you go, well, I'm a really, really bad sinner. And then at Matthew 5:48, it says, be perfect, be perfect, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. So you go, how, how is this possible for me to do? Because I'm obviously never going to get there. And the only way in which this is possible is when it is from the imputed righteousness of Christ that is given to us. So now when God looks at us, he doesn't see us in our sin. He sees the works of Christ that have been credited to our account. I guess something that, I mean, we kind of talked about it already, but something that I think is so important, because I feel like the topic of imputation can be a little boring, right? It's like... Yeah. You're just, I don't know, how did we explain it? Like, we talked about someone, like, stepping in for someone in oh, court. Oh, like, in the court, yeah. Right, mm -hmm. so someone's stepping in, and then they get the sentence now. And how, particularly in this case, where I can use that if we're talking about somebody actually, you know, in, like, just, like, between us three. But in this case, where it's actually pretty much the judge who is the one that's stepping down and saying that they're going to serve the sentence for somebody that has wronged what the judge stands for, which is justice. What were you saying? Right. I, I was just saying that I think it's important and what makes imputation like a little jazzed up or interesting or we should be passionate about imputation is that first, like you said, we know that everyone has that first, I guess, layer of imputation. Sure. Everyone has sin. Everyone is born with sin, born with that innate evil. Um, and so if there is bad news, then that's what makes good news so sweet, so good. Sure, absolutely. And I think knowing and understanding that imputation, like you said, that you know most people don't even know that they're imputed with that sin. Right. So it's kind of hard to see or look for or think there's a reason to find good news or that second layer of imputation because you don't even think you need it. So I guess how would either us, like how is us as Christians, how do we make that? Important, Like, now that we understand what imputation is, how could we bring that to someone and make that seem important to them? Sure. So if we're we're talking about when we're going to someone who's not a Christian. Right. right? I mean, this is the way in which we share the gospel, correct? I mean, as, as I've shared the gospel with people over the years, I'm frequently talking about, of their need for a Savior, and I'm letting them know that they are n not nearly as good as they think that they are. Mm. Right. right. So they've developed this need. They say, okay, you know what? As I'm examining myself I see that I have all of these issues now I do need to be saved right because I do have issues that are, mm -hmm. are, are there so uh, I mean when I present the gospel to people I typically will start with the bad news there are people who disagree with that right that, that way of going about it they like to start with the uh, four spiritual laws which is like God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life uh, I'm not saying that can't work it's another way that I would present it mm -hmm. and so yeah, people need to know, and they need to know that they're not as good as they think. They need to know that their hearts are, are deceptive and their hearts are evil, and their nature is to, tend, is to trend towards evil. God, in his common grace, which he gives to all people, God has made it so that people are not nearly as evil as they could be. And so it's something that like Paul Washer will talk about over and over again. This is what I was telling you today. Yeah. Where he will say that, you know, Hitler is the most evil guy you could think of. <laughs> That's exactly but it. But even Hitler is not as bad as he could have been. Right? And you can look at this just logically and say, okay, well, he had, I don't know, I think he was really good to his dog or something like that. <laughs> if you were to, I think it's a story. And I think he loved the, the woman, I forget her name. But apparently he really yeah. loved her as well. So like th these are like, you can look at it and say these are, like actually good like these are good things for a character you should be kind to your dog you should love the woman that you're with right so no one is as bad as they could be because of God's common grace that said everyone has this tendency to trend towards evil 
Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's something everyone kind of understands. And you can look at it like in, in multiple spheres of life, people like crave power. Once they get power, they don't wanna they don't wanna give it up and then they just continually try to get more and more and more. Uh, and it frequently will lead to abuse. Which is a different topic, which is why everyone every one of our politicians in America is like eighty years old. <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's good that you put that out because you like said that everyone knows this, right? And I think everyone does. And you always hear that saying like nobody's perfect. Like you know? Mm-hmm. But true. no one wants to hear it. It's a good point. You know, it makes people well, uncomfortable. It's, it's funny because when people say, Well, nobody's perfect a lot of the time it would not be wrong for them to add on except me or mm. something where like, <laughs> like yeah. the thinking is right. the like idea that, 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 that you know yes nobody's perfect and everybody seems to think that they understand that and yet a lot of people like to believe that they are perfect or that when the time comes to it they're never ready to accept when they're actually wrong right something. and I think that's what makes because it's one thing to understand imputation and I guess the difference would be truly understanding like the state of depravity we're in because that again is what makes mm-hmm. that news so good but then it's another thing to really present it to someone and have them like agree with you I think that's like the hard part that is the hard part everyone knows it just not everyone wants to be like yeah, yeah. I, I do trend towards evil I do choose the easy way right, out right, right, right. which as a Christian same I do trend towards evil I do notice like patterns in my sin or you know when I wake up and I choose to do something there was there was not a good motive behind it or things like that. Um, did you want to any add anything on about imputation? Well, I was gonna say that I actually I read this camera if it was yesterday or two days ago, and yeah, I didn't think it was yesterday actually, um, where I was in Ephesians chapter two and the beginning is a perfect display number one of the gospel, but also that uh, there's one particular phrase. So I'll read just the uh, so it's verses one through. 10, which is the entire um, intro, and he goes, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, and because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I think the um, the phrase that I really wanted to focus on was really when he just goes in verse 4, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And yeah, I think that was exactly what I wanted to... But <laughs> the whole passage, but yeah, that's what I But that's like, well, the, the, entire, the entire passage is like a perfect, as Paul does a lot of the time, he's able to say the gospel in such a small I amount know. of verses and words, which is amazing. But also just the beginning where he makes it clear, it's like the fifth word in the verse, that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. And mm-hmm. that with that is the imputed depravity. We're now, because mankind is born into sin, spiritually we are dead. And Christ is the one who, through his imputed righteousness, gives us life, which is, you know, like what you were saying, where people want, they don't understand that, or, you know, most people, they don't, they're not aware of the need, right? Where you're talking about when you share the gospel, you want to strike up on the the fact that there is a need for salvation. And without people understanding that first part of the passage where that we really are dead in our sins and that there is no shot at salvation, there's no shot at being in heaven after death because of our imputed depravity and the only thing that can save you from that is Jesus Christ and that's all that I want well, to what I thought on. of was um, you know when um, a father comes running to Jesus um, because his daughter is mm-hmm. dead yeah Jairus's daughter is that his name yeah well he's, she's dying right and then I thought she was dead and then Jesus was like no she's sleeping I'm thinking of yeah, something yeah, else yeah. right Talitha Akumi or whatever I can't say I that. don't know. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was thinking of that because think about it. She was dying or dead. 
Well, uh-huh. Can you clean that up? Well, she was dying at first, and that's when he came, and then his servant followed up and goes, yeah, she died. And Jesus is like, let's go. There we go, perfect. <laughs> right. So it took that dying, that news, right? Then Jesus comes back and was like, just kidding, she was sleeping, and then she's back to life. Mm-hmm. And it took, I think, that, like, for it to be so sweet. You know, imagine, like, you're with your daughter. You have kids. I'm sorry, I'm going to put this image in your head. But you yeah, have kids. I've thought, um, I mean, I've thought of awful. I think every parent thinks of the worst situation in the world. So it's not like I've never thought of it. Okay. So, you know, you have your daughter. And I'm sure, like, you love her every day. And there's probably times where you, you're like, oh, man, like, she's being a little fussy yeah, today. Yeah, she's me today. Oh, she's smacking <laughs> She did, yeah. <laughs> right. So you yeah. have those times for sure. Um, but she's it only would be... two, by the way. So <laughs> really, no. She's like 15 Yeah, I'm like 15 so, I mean, I think it would be a different kind of appreciation for her if she passed away mm-hmm. and now you're without her and now someone brings her back to life. And this is obviously a hypothetical because no one else sure, yeah. about Christ. But that would be a newfound appreciation for that and that it is that sweet news that she is alive. And I think that's what, in that, I don't know, but that's what that passage in Ephesians reminded me of, that dead to alive mm-hmm. visual. Yeah. That it's not until, like, she was dead, like, there was that bad news, that that sweet news that she was alive, like, felt like such great news that he called out to Jesus because she was dead. Right. I think with this, where with people's understanding of their need for this, there is a way in which it, it works, in which God is sovereign over this, and in which people have the the option to do this. And mm-hmm. so if what you've just read is true, and it is because it's in the Bible, uh, but people who are outside of Christ are, are dead. And so when we talk about things like like election, we will frequently say, well, what can a dead person do? And the answer is nothing. nothing. And this idea actually runs through even to this concept. It's like, what can a dead person do? Nothing. What can a dead person really understand? The answer is nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And so in a way, there's this this tension that kind of goes through. This person is spiritually dead. They, in a sense, can't even understand their need. It needs a move of God for them right. to even understand which is their what, need. Which is why we say that God is sovereign over all, all aspects of salvation. Yeah. Yes. And yet, people have the 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 option to do this. Right. The two work together. Yes. How I don't entirely know. I can't entirely understand. I've never heard an, a really good explanation for it. Uh, but they they do do that, and so this just kind of hits on what you were saying. Right. On how. They need to know of their need, and yet they are frequently. It's a hard, it's a hard track to get them to understand their need. Yeah, I think that's also something even hard for Christians to also really wrap their head around is that all things that are good are really from God. Mm-hmm. Where I have no understanding, I have no understanding of imputation. Right. I have no understanding of, <laughs> I have no understanding of any of this. Unless God is the one who blesses me with the knowledge to understand. Yeah, that's great. That's just why it says there, it's not of your own doing, it's a gift from God. So I think speaking of that, like you said, like spe- specifically for Christians. Um, so Christians who are aware of both imputations at this point, so they understand that they had that depravity or that they were born in sin and have now become alive, thinking about that passage in Ephesians. Um, so... According to that, um, we are now, the Bible says, called saints. Mm-hmm. And so something that Samuel and I found while we were doing our discipleship group was this really simple question um, that I really want you to fill out. So I will <laughs> give you a pen. <laughs> Am I going to write this? I'm not going to yeah. talk about it? I didn't know there yeah, was sure. No, you're just going to write. So, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> don't worry. Surprise. <laughs> all right. You so should see my handwriting now. I don't write anything. It's a- all right. So right here it says saint all the way by one, uh, sinner all the way by ten. Where would you rank yourself? And don't read around it. Just like yeah, just, just rank yeah. yourself. I'm not gonna read around it. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, I'll give you like a minute. Do, 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 do. All right. Okay. All right. That's all I have to do. Thank you. Do you mind if we share your answer? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So we've gotten many interesting answers. So you circle between four and five. I didn't even think you could do that. You meant five? I actually meant five. Okay. <laughs> four like and that, a half. That's actually a joke we made last time where you were like, I'm a 3.5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On Tuesdays. Um, okay. So you ranked yourself a five between saint and sinner. Can you explain why you ranked yourself that way? Sure. Uh, so Christians are both saints and sinners. And that's why I ranked myself that way. Okay, so, uh, so first can you explain what sure, saints and sinners are? and then like Sure, what sure. Yeah. Saints are those who are loved by God, and they are called by God, and they are part of the church of God. 
sinners are everyone who sins and engages in sin, right? So the uh, Martin Luther would talk about something that was called uh, simul justus et peccator, uh, which Ooh. is this idea that I'm simulta- simultaneously justified and yet a sinner, right? And if you know anything of Luther's stories, consistently like like depressed, and these were things. This was a, a doctrine. This was a confession that helped him uh, throughout many difficult times. And so, simultaneously justified and yet a sinner. It's when it's being looked at from two different points of view, I have two different realities, right? So you can think of like a simulcast on a, on a sporting event or if you're watching soccer. You know, simulcast, it's like, yep. When I, when I watch Sunday Night Football, uh-huh. it will say this is simulcast also on NBCSports.com uh, or something okay, like okay. that. So it's the uh, same yes, thing. Yes. It's the same, the same event. Oh, simulcast, yeah, like simultaneously cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, so it's it. the same event, but from different points of view. <laughs> oh so, like, sometimes they would put like a, a brand new camera, and you would look at the the game from above as mm-hmm. opposed to down. Okay. They do the same thing with like the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. And that's the only way I know because that's the only time I ever watch soccer. soccer. Uh, Forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> so, from two different points of view, there are two different realities, two things that are being seen from God's point of view. You and I mm-hmm. are justified, right? From our point Which of view... Which means... Sorry. When we're made to be justified, it's as if we've never sinned. Okay. It's that God looks at us, he sees us as perfect. Because of that second layer of imputation. Yes, because okay. of what Christ has done. For us, we look at ourselves and we say, what a wretched man I am, mm-hmm. I'm a sinner. Right? That's what Paul does in Romans chapter 7. Right. So both are realities, both are true, and so that's why I pick right in the middle. Right in the middle. Between 1 and 10. And I, I think the, the issue is that if I thought of myself completely as a sinner without being a saint, then I would get bogged down. I would have no joy in my Christian life. I would have uh, just a heavy burden on me as I went throughout the day to day. And I've been in areas like this. And I think any Christian mm-hmm. who goes through, who grows as a Christian, they have multiple times where they are just really bogged down by their sin. I mean, I've had it. I'm going no, to yeah, like Absolutely. season cycles, patterns, yeah. whatever you call it, where you're just like or stuck. rhymes or or, or <laughs> rhythms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, we've all had patterns like that, and it, it doesn't feel good to be there, mm-hmm. right? When you get out of that, it feels great because you're like, wow, I don't have this heavy burden on me anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, it's like I was, you know, running the ankle weights or something, and now they're gone, and now I feel, mm. and now I feel free. But on the other end, if you are only looking at yourself as a saint and not understanding the reality that here you are also a sinner, then that goes into that goes it gives into pride. That looks into thumbing mm-hmm. your nose down at those who are who are unbelievers. That looks into you even looking down at your fellow brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in Christ. And no one wants to be around that that person. It's not a, it's not attractive to the unbelieving world. It's not attractive to Christians to be around people like that. Maybe you know people who are like that. Uh, I know some people who are like that, and I don't particularly enjoy being around them. Uh, and then what, what they end up doing is they end up sinning anyway, and they just end up abusing God's grace, which he has given to them, which leads into antinomianism, mm-hmm. and which is what we've talked about before. Well, us, not not here, but this is what, what God hates, and there's strong evidence that in Revelation 2 and the, the letters to the churches, when Christ is calling out the teaching of the Nicolaitans, that he's talking about this abuse of his, of his grace, mm. right? I I would say, oh, I almost lost my train of thought there. But with like what you were saying, like you know that split view, mm-hmm. the idea that you are both. I feel like there is that extra layer that if you are, let's say, coming with that mentality that like I am a sinner, that you could potentially downplay God's grace right so you're walking around like thinking oh man like I'm stuck in the season of sin or why am I constantly sinning or like Paul says you know why am I constantly doing the things that Mm -hmm. I know I'm not supposed to do I've been there by the way multiple times in my life yeah Yeah. same Um, I feel like when or if we were to continue in that mentality that we continuously downplay what God has done for us because according to the Bible and unless any one of us here is trying to call God a liar, not a truther. Um, we are, I mean, I have Second Corinthians uh, 5 open, verse 21. 
For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right. And if we are, like, he's telling us that we are his righteousness mm-hmm. now, and yet we're like, no, I'm a sinner. Like, yeah. no, God, you're actually wrong. Your grace is not big enough to cover the sin that I'm going through right, right now. And then I feel like the opposite is true, too. If you have that mentality of a saint, like that, you know, I am, you know, the righteousness of God. Like, I can do no wrong. That it could be, you know, easy to forget that. It's easy to no. forget Romans 3.10, which is none is righteous, no, not one. Right? And I think also that would lead to, like, I think of, like, hiding sin. I'm thinking about like, yeah, the type sure, of person absolutely. that you described right. that, like, they're, like, kind of looking down on people. And like you said, eventually they do sin because yeah. they are sinners as well. Right. And instead of, like, the that person who has that sinner mentality who's like, oh, I'm a sinner, this person's like, sweep it under the rug. Like, no, I, I didn't do that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still the righteousness of God. Right. There, I mean, there's a uh, popular guy. His name's Todd White, which if you watch the American Gospel, it's essentially the first one is all about it's he's a major part of this okay and this is what he says he says uh that he doesn't sin anymore right because he's now the righteousness of god he's Mm. been made perfect and then people tell him he has a quote where people are like hey that's impossible and he says well you don't live with me i live with me and i don't sin right Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, anyone looking at that objectively would say, well, obviously this guy's a liar. He should be marked and avoided at all costs because he's lying to us about one of the most basic things right. uh, in our faith. And yet he has a growing congregation, which shows us how, how deceived people can be. But it also shows us the desire for that Christians have to be perfect, mm-hmm. right? That people desire this, which is not a bad desire. I mean, I don't want to sin. That should be the that is should be what we pursue yeah, as Christians. Yeah, yeah. So... But I also need to live in the, in the reality of mm-hmm. where I am now. And I do know there's a time coming where I won't sin anymore, right? But I'm not there yet. Yeah. And so it's weird because as a Christian, there have been times in my life where I've learned more and more about God, and yet I've felt further and further away from God. And it's I'm not knocking down theology or anything like that because that's typically what people will say. Like, I've, mm-hmm. I've lost my love for God because I'm reading a book all the time. Right. But I mean, like, when I've when I've learned more about God and I've learned more and more about His holiness, then I've learned more and more about my depravity, mm-hmm. and that's when I can actually see how far the gap is between us. Whereas before, I would think, okay, well, you know, sure, I'm not perfect, but I'm a lot better than this guy, and so I'm a lot closer to God than this guy. How would you, I guess, I don't know, approach, what would you, what's your opinion, your take on, like, someone who would take that as an excuse, right? Because you just said, um, like, we should pursue perfection, mm-hmm. but we also need to live in the reality that sure. we will not attain that here on earth. So, wouldn't it be kind of simple to kind of just, like, well, you know, nobody's perfect. Like, we were saying before, nobody's perfect. Like, how would you, do you think that that's an okay approach to when we slip into, like, oh, well, nobody's perfect. Well, I guess I'm clinging to that phrase. What would you say? Yeah, no, I don't think that's an okay approach to be uh, nonchalant about our sin uh, at all. I think we should be uh, vehemently fighting against our sin. I think there are times where where you will weep over your sin. Um, I think these should be realities in the, in the, the Christian life. So if they are not, then someone really needs to examine themselves to mm-hmm. see if they are truly in the faith and if they actually care. Because if I really love God, then I want to do things that please Him. And continually engaging in sin without any type of repentance on my part is going to show that I don't actually love God. Okay. Right? As we talk about Jesus being not just our Savior, but also our Lord, this means He's Lord over every aspect of our lives, which means that every part of our lives should be growing and it should be uh, being conformed to a a greater level of perfection. You'll never reach there. There'll be times when you go, you get better, and then you fall back, right? Almost like a zigzag going up. Uh, But there there should be a growth. And for some people, there may be a growth in a week. For other people, it might take 20 years to, to see that growth. But that is the, that's the reality in which we live. That's what it means to be sanctified, that we're, we're growing in, in these yeah. areas oh that that's actually i almost forgot what i was going to say earlier was that when you were talking about what's his name todd white todd mm-hmm. white yeah where i was going to say it's a don't listen to todd blatant, white yeah, <laughs> don't, don't, don't. this is not a plug like, for like todd a, white it's a blatant abuse of the 
sequence of justification, sanctification, and glorification. Mm-hmm. Him claiming that he is already glorified, which only happens to believers after death. And yeah, once absolutely. Christ has fully sanctified us, and I'll explain that real quick just because Sarah's giving me the look. Uh, so <laughs> justification is the, the moment when Christ, de- uh, when God declares a believer righteous. And sanctification is when we are being, and I'll let you. I'll definitely. No, let you I think hop you on. said. Did you say justification or sanctification first? Justification. justification. Oh, my, my mistake. I'm no, sorry. you're good. You're, you're right. My, uh, I apologize. <laughs> so justification is when uh, God declares a believer righteous, and sanctification is when the process of God conforming a believer to His likeness. Although we, that's what happens here on earth, our sanctification. And we will never be fully sanctified while on this earth because we have um, sin and we are in the flesh. And although we are to live of Christ and then after death is when uh, glorification takes place, which is when we are perform we are conformed perfectly to, Christ- to God's image. And that is when we are in heaven and for eternity. That's nice to say. I, I think uh, maybe in another helpful way to understand uh, sanctification in the process of a Christian should be that while you're not perfect you are perfectible meaning that you're trying to get to that to that point so not perfect but perfectible has been helpful for me mm. uh over the years of simple uh, okay so uh, going back to my phrase we're what was it nobody's perfect nobody's perfect but but we're trying to be perfect exactly. well, trying to be perfectible. Per- perfectible there we, we go perfect. i like yeah. that yes. i like that so that should be our new addendum to that yeah phrase. sure except for the not the except me and then then to bring us back to where we were before just because that was a thought that I had earlier um, (laughs) uh, I pulled up Galatians Mm 5.13 which says for you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another so uh, some of the notes that I had on that a while back is that Christian liberty is not freedom from sin or Christian liberty is sorry (laughs) Christian liberty is freedom from sin but it is not a license to sin so we are to use Mm. the freedom that we are given bumper sticker (laughs) so we are to use the um, the freedom that God has given us to serve others yeah um yeah sorry just jump in I, I think it's good for any believer in Christ to remember where it is that they have come from and to remember where they were and where they are now Right. Mm. I, I think this is why it's important for Christians to share their testimony. Uh, I think Christians should have a short version of their testimony and a longer version of their testimony. Um, and I think we see that, like, like the Apostle Paul is consistently sharing his struggles yeah. and his testimony, right? And it, it, it goes through, I mean, it's for us. It, it, it helps us to see, hey, this person's going through it. And I can imagine that in, and I'm going to speculate here, which is, I'm very hesitant about doing anything in the Bible. I mm-hmm. would imagine that these moments where he was able to see where God brought him from mm-hmm. were extremely encouraging to him in, in times of struggle and, and doubt. And they should be encouraging for us. I mean, I look back on my life 10 years ago when I was not a Christian at all. And because I've been a Christian for, what's it, for almost nine and a half years now. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah almost nine and a half years. And so as I look back, I go, man, I was not doing anything for Christ, I didn't care about my sin at all, and it was extremely beneficial to look at where you have been as opposed to where you are now, mm. and like over and over again. Right. And I think that also is part of what we should do well, as yeah, it Christians, tells us to. right? Because without understanding where we have come from and how far God has actually brought us, we we already are enabled to really glorify God too as much as He is really like deserving of but this is something that is huge where to to understand right that 10 years before now you were living in sin and all these things and now to look at yourself now and wow glory to god for all of the things that um are different about you than before when you were yeah and not to go and dominate this conversation but i knew i knew knew this was gonna happen (laughs) this is what i do all the time now she invited (laughs) who invited this guy (laughs) this is my issue which my wife talks to me about but um if we are like Christians who have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and in John 16, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will glorify him, right? And so as we're there, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So our role as Christians with the Holy Spirit living inside of us is actually very simple. It's to glorify Christ. Mm-hmm. It's to magnify his work. It's to show what he's done is holy. What he's done is things in the world, right, are good works, but he's also done a work on us 
Mm-hmm. And so therefore, we should be trying our best to show out to the outside world that we are ourselves holy and we are trying to be sanctified, right? And so just that, I just wanted to... Well, no, it's, I actually brought me back to when we were discussing Revelation a couple of weeks, whenever mm-hmm. that was. And um, when we were talking about that, one of the churches where Paul goes, I give thanks to God for you because of like your the perseverance of your faith. And so seeing their faith, number one, that is one glory to God. That, you know, there was a church who remained faithful to God always, and almost to the point of death. Um, and also on top of that, where Paul talks about it a lot throughout his letters, where he wants to be, when he goes to certain churches, he is encouraged by their faith. And therefore when he leaves them he is almost like kind of like rejuvenated and through his rejuvenation he is also once again giving more and more thanks to god even for other people's faith so just the you know just like the that domino effect reflection and then reflecting with other people it's like right. kind of like what we're doing right now you kind know of, yeah yeah i definitely appreciate the idea of like mapping that progress and i think i think a lot of times what we're thinking like for example a model that we were just talking about was paul i mean this guy was starving beaten, like, close to death. Like, so many things, right? <laughs> Read Second Corinthians. <laughs> I have not been beaten, nor right. to the point of starvation, especially for my faith. And so I think sometimes we might be, like, a little detached to that idea of, like, reflecting, because, I mean, Paul had every opportunity to reflect, right? Uh, like, he just got beaten. He's like, well, what did I get beaten right. for? You know, worth <laughs> it, you know? Uh, I don't have those opportunities. Um, and I think something that's really key to make sure that we are reflecting still is maybe not getting beaten, but this part where we're, like, discussing. I was talking to someone else the other day, and I don't know why, but I started talking about how I tore my ACL. And just, t- like, looking back, and that was, what, two, three, three years ago, maybe? Looking back three years ago and thinking about, like, my reaction to the injury, my reaction to, like, my interactions with other people, like, while I was injured or, like, Mm post-op, like, how I was just kind of angry at everything, Um, I couldn't walk, like, things like that, and I'm looking back now that I can walk and play sports, and I was like, I just was so dumb, like, there were so many opportunities, like, maybe, you know, God was telling me to stay still, and, like, I could have just sat there, and instead of, like, going out that summer, which I didn't do anyways, I could have just been, like, reflecting in his word, and there was time that I did do that, I remember sitting down with Pastor Mark from our church and just sitting there and reflecting. So those are opportunities that probably wouldn't have happened if it weren't. So that constant like reflection, even if it's just talking to someone, and even if something as dumb as a knee injury yeah. that's not like based on Christianity at all, I think that's important too, just kind of like constantly, like you said, remembering our first love, like that church. Yeah, I mean, and this is why we need to be in a church. You know, yep. and so this is why we consistently hit on quick plug for any church. <laughs> yeah, any church to go to. Really. Yeah, there are no, as everyone says, um, that there are no Lone Ranger Christians. It's for multi for a multitude of, re- of reasons. Except for it's, Todd White. Well, <laughs> well, Todd don't White. go to that church. <laughs> <laughs> or a number of places don't go to. But uh, this idea, I mean, you can't reflect with yourself. You can't reflect with an unbeliever who doesn't understand what it is. Mm, right, right. Or, uh, who doesn't have that second layer of imputation. Like exactly. Right. And to kind of. Right bring it back to the topic because I know we got a little lost there um in terms of like that paradox that we were talking about saint versus sinner and how you say we're both and how we agree that we're both and I really like the the visual of the what was it called Simul- the simulcast simulcast yeah that reminds me because I was saying positional versus practical truth that's essentially what I meant this is yeah. positional up yeah, here sure. pr- practical is, yeah. like yeah I really like that um I guess the the problem or like the thing that I was focusing on the most was the thinking um, and just the mentality which sounds a little like meta but I think that's kind of the point because I think that will derive or not derive but determine our interactions with others determine even the smallest decisions we make and something like I mean let's take poor Todd White (laughs) really bashing on Todd White (laughs) right now Um, but I'm thinking about him right and he says like he doesn't sin anymore Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's absolutely no truth to that. Do you think, like, having that mentality, constantly reminding yourself, because I know for me, and maybe Samuel, like, I will constantly be in that sinner mentality sometimes where I'm like, ugh, I'm so, I'm so in need. Also me. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm so in need of his grace, like, every day reminding myself of that, and I'm maybe sometimes, you know, kicking myself while I'm down, like, why did I do that, or why yeah, did yeah. I respond to someone that way? Yeah. And something like going through this chapter, there was just like constant, like according to John one twelve, 
I am a child of God. According to yeah. Galatians 2.20, I am loved. And so I got to thinking, if I start like maybe reading these verses every morning or something and constantly reminding myself of my positional standing of how God sees me as a, his child, then that maybe should influence how I'm acting in my decisions. Would you agree? I guess, yeah, I would statement? absolutely agree. As we are struggling with these sins or um, even as we're talking to people about their sin and we're talking about these, these bad things, what Christians should do is placard the good news of Christ over it all so that you would know hey, this is not where I'm going to be forever. So mm-hmm. memorizing scripture is a, is a, is a good way to, to go about it. But the fact that we're justified by our faith, the gospel of Christ, these are big overarching things which are to encompass our entire lives. Mm-hmm. So when they are on top of everything we're doing, then we don't get into like a, like a rut of feeling like I'm so depressed all the time. Right, which this I is, feel like I definitely like will get into those, yeah, into yeah. those seasons. And so this is why like... Um, I think it's if you were uh, I didn't go to a Lutheran seminary but Lutherans are big on uh, law and gospel mm-hmm. and so in their, even in their preaching sometimes it's frequently this part is law, this part is gospel and they will always end with the gospel mm. being that you know where you fall short let me placard the gospel of Christ over it so then you can go off being encouraged rather than being bogged down right? and so I think we should do that in our own lives too like, yeah. So yeah. I guess that would be like how I would kind of, I guess, wrap it up. Like, how would you encourage someone to kind of maybe shift their mindset? Because maybe, for example, taking the scale into consideration, maybe they're too far. Yeah. Like Samuel and I, we ranked ourselves like 10, both of us. Samuel, I think. So. I, yeah, I didn't, I misunderstood the graph or the, the line thingy. There's and numbers, I just, man. I just circled sinner. Like, I didn't even, <laughs> so, uh, I didn't circle a number. Uh, <laughs> I just, uh, <laughs> so you put yourself, isn't it a one on there? Um, oh, so 10 is like the gotcha. worst. 10, so I just, yeah. So, some, so either people like us who would circle like 10, like I am just the lowest of the low, mm. or other people who might err towards the size of saying like, no, nah, I'm a pretty good person. Like what would be your advice in, in order to shift our thinking so that we do find that balance? Because I think that's critical to how we're going to live. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think one of the things that Christians should do more of is that we should look to a time when Christ comes back, mm. right? And so as we are uh, waiting for Christ to return, we know that there are certain truths that are tied up when Christ returns. Not only is he coming to rule and reign over over this earth, but we also know that in there is going to be a time where we will no longer sin, where we will no longer struggle with sin, right? That day is actually very close for us. Regardless if Christ comes to us or if we go to him, it's not that far away for a number of us. I'm 31 years old now, and 40 years is probably going to happen to me, right? And you're 20, and you are... 20 forever. Uh, <laughs> you got both 80s I got wrong. wrong. <laughs> 18 I'm, and 21. 22, 22. Close enough. I mean, you, you guys are there sooner than, than ever. You know, like you're closer to that moment today than you've ever been before. Some people look at that and say, well, I'm closer to death than ever before. Right. Mm-hmm. Christians can look at that and say, well, I'm closer to being glorified not struggling with this right. than ever before. So right. I guess I, I totally agree. I think that's what we've been talking about, like that shift of focus. Yeah. So focusing on what's to come, especially the promises that God has Absolutely, given us. Absolutely, yeah. How Super would, I guess, like specifically, like those two groups, like you have Sam and I, the 10, the sinners, and then you have like the ones, the saints, like how would that help each group specifically? Say it one more time. Sure. Yeah. So people like Sam and I who might identify more with the sinner side, how would clinging to that promise or clinging to Christ's second coming be a really a method to shift our thinking? And then how would that be important for the other side as well? Yeah, so as a kid, whenever I was looking forward to uh, like Christmas Day, I was filled with excitement, mm-hmm. right? And when I knew that something was happening, I would make sure to never upset my parents or anything like this because I, was, I wanted that, that gift and I wanted that, right? Christians on the fact that we have a, a new nature, right? This is what we have. We The old man has died mm-hmm. and the new man has come because this is a reality of us. We now have new desires, right? One of the desires that we have based off of our own free will is to want to go and glorify God. I think focusing on the fact that we are made brand new is going to help us wherever we, especially in that if you're coming from... The 10 side? Yeah, if you're coming from the 10 side where you are such a sinner... Mm-hmm. You are that, yes, but you've also been made brand new, right? And so you have new affections and you have new desires, 
right? And so as you progress, I mean, I think, again, we kind of hit on it. I think remembering where you've come from, I think mm. praying, I think being in a church, I think asking for prayer from other believers. I, I think all of these are, are ways in which tools, you can. Yeah. yeah, there are tools that are going to help you. Like God in his grace has not given us just one method of dealing with these things. He's given us multiple methods of dealing with them. It's it's up to people to figure out which kind of. You should use all of them, but certain things may work better for you than than for others, right? And so it's it's on. I want to say it's on them, but each person should really examine themselves to see here's how I grow well in this area, and what's what you use might be different than what I use, right? In this area, yeah. Okay. Do you, did you have anything else, Chad? Oh, I think that was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Very good. So in summary, anyone struggling with this paradox and hopefully we understand the paradox as a whole and the truth is that we are both and I really love the simulcast idea. Yeah. That that positional Well, I didn't make it up, so it's a uh, you know what I oh, mean? Oh, really? Who did you did you quote someone? I quote Martin Luther. Oh, you did the simulcast? No, no. Oh, no. No, the simulcast was, was all the you. The simul the simul yeah, that was me. Nice. See, I like that. That yeah. was good. I, just, I didn't take that from anyone. I'm sure someone else has has said something Luther. similar. Yeah, I, heard, I heard Luther. Luther yeah. said when he was watching football. That <laughs> yeah. I've had like thoughts and I'm like, man, I'm like the first person. <laughs> Same. And I, I know. Look, I'm like, this has been around for like ever. Yeah. That's for sure. And sometimes it's like, did I hear this? And I'm just like. Rewording it in my head, and I'm like, I'm this, thinking, is mine. this is mine. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, maybe that's happened. I don't Inception. Know. <laughs> <Right>. Well, <laughs> in summary, I think definitely now that you understand first the importance of both layers of imputation, and if you're a Christian, that both have happened that you were imputed with depravity and now are imputed with that righteousness based mm-hmm. on God's grace um, and your faith in that grace. That's That's it. Um, and so based on that, now we're made saints and God sees us as saints, but we're still in this sinful world and we still sin. This is, I'm sorry to interrupt no, you. I just it. want to say this point. There's a, a theologian, his name is George Eldon Ladd, who will frequently talk about what's called the, the already and the not yet, mm. right? And he's talking about God's kingdom coming right. to the earth. So like God is ruling on the earth. He's already ruling, but he's not yet ruling in, in completion for lack of a better word, right? And the same thing is true for us. We, we live as Christians in the already and the not yet. It's like two concentric circles, if you can picture that in your mm-hmm. mind. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> oh, okay. the, the circles where they overlap. You wanna, like, like, that's a Venn diagram. Is, is that a Venn diagram? Right. Okay, okay so draw it out. Draw it out. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a Venn diagram. Oh, my bad. All right. <laughs> Seminary, man, really. vocabulary. So in the Venn diagram... Uh, we live in this middle area here, right? And so we live in this overlap where we are going to go one day to to be in the actual kingdom of heaven where everything is, is perfect, where we will be with Christ, right? Uh, where we will dwell with him, but we still he- live here in this sinful world. So we're here in this area. In the middle. Yeah, where they overlap. Dare I say this represents justification, sanctification, and glorification. That's what I'm seeing. I feel like to enter this middle, you'd have to do justification. Would you agree with me? I would agree with you. Okay. Yeah. Um, but so, so this is where we are. This is where we live. That's why we have this reality, right? On this side of the... Of, and this doesn't work well for a podcast, but... <laughs> on, on the right the, side. <laughs> on the right side, all the way, you would be, hey, I'm, I am uh, now a completely saintly in everything that I do uh, on this which side where, which is where glorification is yeah on this side I am completely a sinner completely condemned by my sin and I live here in the middle as a Christian as a Christian in right? and that's the already in the I love yet. that yeah. I love that visual um, yeah and so I guess in just in summary if you're looking to change your thinking which I think all of us should be and just constantly checking our thinking a first step would be to reflect check your thinking mm-hmm. and then the next would just be fellowship going to church yep. making sure that we're really reading the scripture and constantly reminding ourselves that we are children of god and that we all fall short yeah and preach the gospel to yourself which is what uh, people will give you advice to do all the time and we frequently will say i want to share the gospel with someone else but also the gospel is good news for you yeah did you want to add anything <laughs> no you're still like processing <laughs> just a lot of what he said which is good um I was wondering, um, Christian, did you have any final 
recommendations, whether it's a song, a preacher, maybe a sermon you just heard, a book you read. Like, I know you just gave that shout out to... George Elder Lad. Why'd you say Sir? <laughs> I don't know. He sounds British. Elder Lad. Sir, but his first name is, what was it, George? Yeah, that sounds George Elder Lad. George Elder Lad. All right, whatever. All right. Well, <laughs> did you have any, like, recommendations? So there is there? a, um, when we talk about this process, because uh, when we're talking about imputation, uh, we are talking about, like, this understanding and the struggling as a saint and a sinner. There's a, a, a really great hymn that mm. actually shows this really well. Okay. The hymn is called Himself, and it's from a man named A.B. Simpson. And in the hymn, it shows us the progression that should go on. And he will say, uh, in that hymn, he'll, he's going to say, you know, first I was coming to Christ for the blessing, now I'm coming to Christ because he's Lord. Mm. Right? And he will say all of these things, the moment I first came to Christ, here's why I was here, is basically for things I was getting for myself. And then he goes on to say, well, I'm actually coming here for for God, yeah. right? And it's a really helpful hymn to to hear. It's one that I've gone through over and over again. I know, um, like MacArthur quoted it one time, one of his sermons, uh, and I don't know how it was. I was actually listening to a sermon from like uh, eight, 1980 or something. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh look, I love this hymn, and so uh, that's a really great one. And so off the top of my head, that that yeah, would be thank one. Thank you. That I love that that was off the top to. of your head, and uh, it helps to show the, this process of this growth that goes through. Well, thank you so much, Christian, for yes, thank you. being on our first invited. Yeah, no problem. I feel honored. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You should. <laughs> um, well, thank you. You guys have been listening to the Remaining in the Vine podcast, and uh, we will be praying for you as we also hope that you will be praying for us. Thanks. You've been listening to the Remaining in the Vine podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. And you can follow us on Twitter at R-I-T-Vine. And remember, you bear fruit by remaining in the vine.